Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. Today I'm going to jump into uh, part five of our series on the apocalypse, and I'm going to have to go quick. Uh, thankfully, I prepared some space in here, but that's, you know, the Lord has saw a fit that we would do it this way. Uh, Today we're in, like I said, part five, and we're in the purpose. The purpose of this series is to break off fear of the apocalypse and to break through the pride of the know-it-all. For it's one of two people. It's for those who are afraid of the end times and for those who feel like they know everything about the end times. You already understand it all. Cool. You got it. Check. Uh, either one of those camps, this is for you. So, hallelujah. You're probably in one of those. Or maybe you just don't care and this will spark interest. I don't know. But this is the purpose, okay? So we've been here, like I said, for five weeks. I can't do a lot of recap, but I will say this. We want to be clear about our interpretive model. This is a submission. I'm submitting it to you, okay? Our interpretive model is that the book of Revelation is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's what apocalypse means. That's what Revelation means. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ, which, what is it? Uh, written in sign language, okay, symbol form, to the loving servants of God, that's you, amen, are you a loving servant of God, amen, to the loving servants of God, and if it doesn't make you happy when you're reading it, you're reading it wrong, okay, here's why, Revelation chapter 1, 1 through 3, in the Passion Translation says, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, not the Antichrist, not even the end times, it's the unveiling of Jesus, the last book in your Bible is about Jesus, okay? I found out this week that the word hallelujah is in no New Testament book except for the book of Revelation. Revolution, Revelation is the only book that has the word hallelujah. That's a really happy praise word. It's a happy word. <laughs> hallelujah. You're supposed to say it with a smile on. Yeah, and it's the, the only book it's in is in this one. The unveiling of Jesus Christ, which God gave to share with his loving servants what must occur swiftly. He signified it by sending his angel to his loving servant, John. I, John, bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. A joyous blessing. Say joyous. A joyous blessing rests upon the ones who reads it, reads this message, and upon those who hear and embrace the words of this prophecy for the appointed time is in your hands. It's literally the kingdom of God is at hand. Same word Jesus said. It's at hand. Able to be touched is what that means. It's in your hands. Okay? So it doesn't say anxiety or fear or dread rests upon the one who reads this. So if it makes you fearful or dreadful or scared, you're reading it wrong. <laughs> yes, I'm right about that. Uh, it says it right there, okay? And I just want to make sure that we bring everyone along today. So when we talked last week, we talked about the conquering church, the seven letters, right? Jesus wrote seven letters to the seven churches, and it said to the one who conquers, the one who overcomes, right? All these promises, you remember that? This is all on our YouTube channel. And so we talked about the conquering church being revealed on the earth. That's what those things are, okay? All those promises are ours. We just have to grow up into them by faith. Amen? Because we are not just the conquering church. We are all more than conquerors, hyper-conquerors. Amen? Romans 8.37. Okay? When you win, you win all the way. Okay? So if you're more than a conqueror, then we are the conquering church, the conquering bride altogether. And there's a turning point in the letter here, Okay? Up to this point, it's been speaking to the first heaven realm. When he gets to chapter 4, verse 1, there's a turning point into the third heaven. All right? We talked about previously how it's where is this happening is the better question than when. You remember that? Yeah? Okay. So this 
talks about the open door in heaven. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. John said, after this, after the church realm, the lampstands, Jesus was walking amongst the lampstands, giving them oil, right? That's Jesus in the church. After that, after this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. Let's say a couple things quickly about that. It didn't open. It was standing open. John didn't see it open. He saw it already opened. Okay? Jesus, when he was baptized, it says the heavens opened, and the Spirit came and descended upon him like a dove. Hashtag, why are you praying for an open heaven? I don't understand that prayer. I understand the heart. I don't understand the, the content. Okay? Because I don't find another verse where it says they closed. <laughs> if you can find a verse that says after Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened, they closed again. They, it doesn't say they closed. They were open. That's the door standing open. You have an open heaven right now. Amen? Right now. Okay? Half of our prayer life would be totally silly to us if we read our Bibles and used our brains. Okay? Here's what happens. We approach the Bible. We shut off our brain. When the fact is Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the word truth is logos. It's logic. We go to Jesus for logical things. Jesus is logic. Jesus is logical. Miracles are logical. Waiting for an amen. <laughs> it's okay. I'll amen myself. <laughs> The supernatural, that's what it's called. It's natural with his super on it. It's supernatural. Are you with me? Okay, so a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, this is Jesus' voice, that first voice said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Okay, say must take place. That word take place, must take place, in the Greek is the word for happen. A lot of translations say what must happen after this. All right? I got really intrigued by that word. I know how the Lord works with me. He highlights a word, and I go digging, and I find stuff out. That word happen is the word we get our English word genome from, okay? And it's translated in Romans 7 as the word for married seven times. Married. What must happen? What must marry? What must take place? But it's not just marry. It's about bearing fruit. So literally, this word could be translated come to be or give birth, the results of marriage. What must be as the result of this marriage next? Literally, you could translate this. I will show you what will come from this marriage next. What marriage? The conquering bride growing up and becoming a fruitful branch. Not just a planting of the Lord, but a fruitful branch. How many know that that means you have to grow to the place of being able to sustain fruit? A sapling can't hold an apple or anything. It would pull it over, right? You have to grow to the place of being able to bear fruit. That's what's happening in the church right now. She's growing into who she is. Hello? And all the new ones, new people coming into the church are being added to the bride of Christ until a full number comes in. We're fully mature, and then we're going to bear fruit. And today I'm going to talk to you about the first fruits of Christ's labor amongst the lampstands. Did you catch that? This, everything written after chapter 4 are the fruits of Christ's labor. At the beginning of chapter 4, all the way through the end of the book of Revelation, it's all fruit of Christ's labor among the lampstand. Let me just announce to you that he's going to get his full reward. He is going to get it. He is going to receive the fruit of his labor. It's going to happen. So this is what will be born of the union between the conquering church and the Lion of Judah who conquered. Are you with me? Okay. So 
these things that are to happen come to be once the church who is already one with God, amen, are we already one with God? One with him in his death, burial, resurrection, we understand that. We're already one with God. Once that church grows into the full expression of the conquering bride described in chapters 2 and 3, she will bear this fruit. I know, you're like, it just says happen, Caleb. It's just one word. I know. It's important. Like, it's not a typo. John didn't use the wrong happen word. There are other words for happen take place. Okay, it's a very specific word. Okay? What will happen because of this union? What will happen? What will come forth? What will be given in birth because of this marriage? Okay? So, we're going to look at the first fruits of Christ's labor today. So the very first thing that's going to happen when the conquering church stands up and starts to bear fruit, the first fruit is Christ's authority will be made known to all the earth. His authority will be made known. This is the first fruit. And it's, I'm going to give you all the different expressions of it. Here it is, Revelation 4, 2 through 6, okay? John said, at once I was in the Spirit. And you need to know that before he was seeing in the Spirit, and then he came to be within Spirit. The Greek is literally, I came to be within spirit. This is very similar to when Paul said, I know a man who went to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. All right? There's seeing in the spirit, and then there's being in the spirit. Literally, John went into that up above that door. He went through that door. Okay? When God says, come up here, he makes it possible. Okay? He's no respecter of persons. And you also can go through that same door. It's still standing open in heaven. Don't worry, you'll get a better sermon up there than I can give you, so just go ahead. Just zip, go ahead. It's fine. If, you, if you're still here when we're trying to lock up, we'll tap you on the shoulder. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> Seriously. We're here for you to encounter Jesus, not like my ideas or whatever. I want to teach you into an encounter. <laughs> Straight up. Either now or later, I hope you encounter the truth of what I'm saying. At once I was in the Spirit. I came to be within Spirit. And behold, a throne stood in heaven. With one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders. Clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. That's as far as we're going to get today. Sorry. Okay. There's a lot of cool stuff, and everything is the fruit of Christ's labor, but these are the first fruits. Okay? So when Christ is seated, it's an expression of his complete authority. Okay? When it says he's enthroned on our praises, the word praises there is not every praise. It's the spontaneous praise of the heart. It's the overspilling. When you're spilling over with praise to God, he has complete authority over you, over that room, over what's going on. That's why we make space for you to sing your own song to the Lord, things like that. It's the word tahila. No, I didn't say tequila. I said tahila. Okay? The effects are way better. No hangover, all right? Tahila praise is the kind where he has complete authority because it's just your eyes are off your problem. Your back is to the wilderness. You're facing the presence. You're just encountering God and overspilling with praise. That's the kind of praise he has complete authority over, okay? So he's seated, has complete authority. That means he's completely in charge, amen? Amen. And if you want a cross-reference for this, Hebrews 10, 12 through 13, Hebrews 10, 12 through 13, and then Ephesians 1, 20 through 22. Okay, talks about him seated at the right hand, seated in his authority. Amen. So let's go through some of these pictures because remember, all of this is sign language. Are you guys okay? 
Everybody ready, guys and girls? We good? Okay. It's just sometimes there's a fog that goes over your eyes. I'm just like, whoop, come back. Come back. Okay. Yeah. Not the good kind of fog. I can tell when someone's encountering heaven, and I can tell when I'm talking too fast. Okay. Uh, there's different things. Anyway, the appearance of Jesus on the throne. Remember him in the lampstands? Remember what he looked like? Eyes of fire, hair like wool, all stuff. Different description here. Why? Because it's actually a picture of his authority. Every single one of these things typify and symbolize his authority. They reveal how much authority he has. And let me just tell you, it's all. <laughs> all means all in Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, all of them. They all mean all. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Amen? So let's talk about this, some of these pictures because it says he's sparkling like crystal, which is the word jasper. It's not like our jasper. It's a clear sparkling crystal, okay? And glowing blood red from within, which is the word carnelian, okay? This actually speaks of being, him being the first and the last, the sovereign one, the alpha and the omega. Why? Because jasper and carnelian are the last and the first gemstones on the breastplate of the high priest. Yeah. The jasper is the 12th. Carnelian is the first, okay? So it speaks of the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the whole glory of God in Christ. Amen? So the splendor, brightness, and beauty of God is shining from him. That's the crystal. All right? I want you to get a picture of this. And a translucent blood red light is glowing from within him. I want you to take this with you. Come on. So Jesus is sitting enthroned as the first and the last, more beautiful than words can describe. Amen? If you get a picture of this, it'll mess you up forever. He's altogether lovely. We approach the throne room, the throne of grace with boldness. Amen. We approach with boldness. None of this should scare you. It should invite you. You should be enticed by the beauty of it, not afraid because of the awe. It can be awful. I've seen an angel with my open eyes. It was full of awe. I hid in a stranger's armpit. I've told that story many times. Sea of Galilee. Freaked me out. I literally hid in a stranger's armpit. She was very nice about it, okay? <laughs> this older woman, I might have ruined her dinner, but she was really kind. She's obviously been with Jesus, okay? So I'm telling you, this, he is full of awe. God is awe-filled. The throne room is awe-filled, but there's no reason to be terrified. Are you with me? It should entice you, not terrify you. He is altogether lovely. So the first fruit of Christ's labor amongst the churches is that we will know the authority, beauty, and glory of the Alpha and Omega. The last and the first, the first and the last, the Aleph and the Tav. Are you with me? Yes? You see how that speaks to this? Amen? So the throne is surrounded by an emerald rainbow. Okay, this is a full circled rainbow. And it's not seven colors but one. This is actually where we get the idea of a halo from. You know, angels with halos. This is the covenant sign given to Noah, the picture of promise. Amen. It's emerald green, though, because it actually represented, it's representative of the life that comes from God's throne. All right? Life and life abundantly come from him. Green is a biblical picture of life, of fullness. Behold, he makes me to lie down in dirty, brown, destitute pastures, right? No. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's a biblical motif. It keeps coming around to show us what he does. Now, I want you to understand something. This is the turning point. I know about the four horsemen. I know about judgment. I know about all that. I know about the plagues. I know about that. But there's a rainbow emanating life from his throne. 
there's life. And scholars are split on whether the rainbow goes this way horizontally or this way vertically. For me, I'm like, I just see it kind of like, you know, spinning around all sorts. Of, it's like an orb of life just coming out from the throne room. Why? Because everything God does in his authority, get this, everything God does in his authority is life and life abundantly. John 10, 10. Like, I have come to bring you life and life abundantly until I release that horse guy and he kills a bunch of you. <laughs> what? Yeah, that don't make sense. These are the first fruits of Christ's labor, okay? So every promise of God is actually going to come full circle. It always does. The reason it's a full circle rainbow is because there's no earth to impede the perspective. Get with me here. Every rainbow is actually a circle. You only see the half of it because of the earth. You remove the earth, you see the whole promise. All the promises of God will come full circle if we set our mind on things above, not on things below. That is what this is speaking to us. His promises are going to come full circle. Amen? But sometimes we don't see the half of it because our perspective is off. It's a full rainbow every time. You understand? There was one above Tampa a few months ago, it made the news, a floating circle rainbow. It wasn't green. If it were green, I would have been like, oh, freaking out. I would have tried to jump through that thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? It was all the you know, seven colors. but It was a full circle because it somehow drifted up into the atmosphere. We were at a low you know, sea level, all that. So anyway, we could see the whole thing. That's every rainbow there ever is. It's not a half. It's a whole. But our perspective doesn't see the half of it. Change your perspective, you'll see it come to fruition because Jesus will get his full reward. If he promised it, it's coming full circle. Amen? So the fruit of Christ's labor will be that we walk in the authority and promises of God bringing life and life abundantly into everything. Amen? Well, think on things above, not on things below. Then it says, standing immediately around the throne were 24 elders. I'm, this is, I don't have a lot of time for this, uh, but this is super stretchy. This is direct revelation. Uh, all my friends say, yeah, you're probably right about that. Be careful where you share it. That's what they say to me, my Bible scholar friends and translator friends. <laughs> um, scholars are split on what the 24 elders are. They're like, is that the union of the Jews and the Gentile? What is that? Well, I believe God showed me, and this is all done in humility. I could be wrong about this. Is that okay? Would you like me to lie to you and be like, I'm never wrong? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go, to some, go somewhere else if you want that. It's not going to happen. <laughs> anyway, whew, trying to be nice. <laughs> this is a picture. I believe the Lord showed me. This is a picture of the Melchizedekan priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. Why? Because 12 is the biblical number for authority, namely governmental, okay? And 12 plus 12 is 24. King plus priest equals 24 elders. I know you're like, but there's 24 of them. Well, again, this is sign language, and the only thing seated on the throne in heaven is Christ and these people. And you also have been enthroned with him. It's the closest thing to the throne, and it's the only other thing in heaven enthroned. I can't find anything else promised to be enthroned with him other than you. <laughs> okay? 
So some think this is a certain rank of angel. Angels don't get to sit. They're ministering to those who are receiving salvation. In fact, they're kind of bored because we're praying things that God already answered. It's like, did it, did it, did it, done it. Sorry, guys, nothing for you to do. We need to pray bigger prayers. Things that he already did have yours. We need to receive. Here's how we'll know we're praying something. There's angelic activity. Things start to shift around us. That's praying from the throne room, not for it, okay? So these are the elders who carry double authority, king and a priest. Did you know that you are a royal priesthood? Yeah? Hebrews 7 and 8, you can read about Melchizedek. These are the 24 elders. I'm a 24 elder. You're a 24 elder. It's a picture. Are you guys okay? All right, so the fruit of Christ's labor is that we will reign in king, as kings in life, Romans 5.17, and will offer spiritual sacrifices to God, Romans 12.1. We will fully express a royal priesthood. That's 1 Peter 2.9. If you're taking notes, I'm sorry. i got to keep going. It says, pulsing from the throne were flashes of lightning, thunder, and rumblings. That word rumblings is the word for voices or sounds. Okay? So this is a picture of the voice of God going forth. I'm not going to read it all, but John 12.28-30 says that God spoke to Jesus when he prayed. He said, glorify your name. He said, I have glorified it. And those standing among them thought it had thundered. And they were right, because from the throne room are clashes of thunder, lightning, rumbling sounds. That's what his voice sounds like when it comes from the throne room. Yeah, it was a voice directly from the throne room, from his complete authority. I have glorified it. Are you with me? So the fruit of Christ's labor is that we will revere his voice. We won't just hear his voice. We'll revere his voice. We'll not be terrified, but be in a place of awe. Amen? Be full of awe. We know that when he speaks, his words are spirit and they are life. John 6, 63. Spirit and life. Are you with me? Then it says, burning before the throne were seven torches, which represent the seven spirits of God. These are the seven spirits of God listed in Isaiah 11, 2. I've got them on the screen for you here. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 says of Jesus that the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. We're going to go ahead and put those up for you. Um, that uh, the spirit of the Lord, I have them, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And you're like, wait a minute, there's one Holy Spirit. Yes, there is. And there are seven spirits before his throne. It's the seven in one spirit. If God is one in three persons, the spirit can be one in seven expressions. Are you with me? These are the seven spirits of God. So what's the, fir the fruit of Christ's labor here? The fruit of Christ's labor will be all these seven spirits of God blazing like torches and lighting up the darkness around us. For we are the lights of the world, Matthew 5.14. You're going to walk with the spirit of the Lord. Most people just stop there. I got the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, how much wisdom are you walking in? You have understanding about the things around you? Can you counsel? Are you walking in the might of God? Do you have special knowledge that you couldn't have other than God told you? And do you revere the Lord or you just got the Holy Spirit? I'm sorry. We have, oof. <laughs> the church is on the verge in many cases of blaspheming the Holy Spirit because we make it plain. We say, oh, that other, just the Spirit of God. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. We don't really need the Spirit. We got the Bible. Okay, when you start walking in wisdom, understanding, counsel, then you can tell me you don't, whatever. I don't, I don't have time for this, but it's a big deal. It's a big deal that we honor God who is the Spirit. Holy Spirit is not, you know, 
the cousin of the Trinity, all right? <laughs> Holy Spirit is God. <sighs> so, that's the fruit of Christ's labor. Last thing, and Miriam, you can come on up because i got to finish. But in front of the throne, it says, was a crystal sea of glass, right? This is the wind-tossed sea of humanity made calm before the Lord and his throne. Okay, because James 1.6 says, anyone who asks with doubting is like a what? Like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro, right? Uh, Ephesians 4.14 says, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about up by every wind of doctrine, etc., etc. So the fruit of Christ's labor is our peace and maturity before his throne. We will be at peace, set at peace, and calmed by the voice of his mouth, just as the waves and winds answered him when he was on the earth. Remember in Matthew 4? Verse 35 through 41, um, we have Jesus speaking to the wind and the waves, and we have the, the waves completely calming themselves, and we have this same thing happening in the spirit right now. We have it when God speaks, he calms, he brings peace. So this is what's going to happen. This is the full reward. This is actually the first fruits of his reward. Amen? It's just the beginning. Because it goes on. There's the, the uh, four living creatures. There's all this amazing worship around the throne. There's the scroll that breaks open, all this stuff, right? All of that is the fruit of his labor amongst the lampstand. I will show you what must come to be, what must be born of this marriage next, what must happen after this. Here's what's going to happen. The conquering church is going to stand up in her maturity, grow up into all things, and then bear fruits. And every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. His authority will be made known. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.